but I didn't really have success until one day I experimented with baby products and I started selling thousands, eventually hundreds of thousands and millions of baby products on Amazon while I was in college and this business blew up. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone, And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Nathan Hirsch, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I am thrilled to have you because one of the topics that we're going to cover undoubtedly is virtual assistants, right? And, uh, you know, for people listening, today's recording date is August 21st, 2020. Uh, we are still smack in the middle of COVID. People are working from home, companies are dispersing. Um, decentralizing, going to hub and spoke models, all of these, this new verbiage that we're learning really fast. But I think one of the things that's growing in the middle of it is, is obviously the ability to work remotely and, and hire remotely. So um, this is a, a hugely important topic. Um, we're going to get a lot of value out of you today, Nathan. <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> for that. And uh, but like every single time I get people on the, on the podcast, I just want to hear your story, man. How did you, I know a little bit of it, but to our audience, how how has this entrepreneurial journey gone for you so far and how'd you get to where you are now? Yeah. I mean, it, it all really started because my parents were both teachers growing up and they wanted me to experience the real world and get jobs and internships from the time that I was legally able to work. It was 15 or 16. I grew up in Massachusetts and hmm. I had these jobs. I was working at Firestone Corporation. I worked at Aaron's. I was a head umpire for my town and I learned so much just about operations and business and sales but I also learned how much I hated having a boss. So by the time I got to college, I had looked at it as, hey, I already got a glimpse of what life was like after college and I wanted no part of it. And I, I had four years to create a business or I was gonna go into that real world and my parents weren't gonna let me live, for, live at home so I was gonna have to get a job to pay my bills and get into that trap. So I started hustling right when I got to college. I started off buying and selling people's textbooks. and. I offer more money than the bookstore. I created an affiliate program at the time for people to refer their friends to me. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people selling me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their store's business. <laughs> so that was kind of my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And this was 2008, 2009. Amazon was bursting onto the scenes, just becoming more than a bookstore and I'd sold textbooks on Amazon 
And I just, I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24 seven storefront and they'd automatically deposit money to my bank account. Like all this was new back then. And I started just experimenting. What could I sell besides books? And I also started drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping. I said, Hey, I don't have anywhere to put inventory. I don't have money to buy inventory. What if I go to other suppliers and manufacturers and said, Hey, I know Amazon. I'll sell your product. You keep my credit card on file. You ship it where I tell you to. I make the difference. And I started just doing lots and lots of trial and error. Everything from video games, computers, sporting equipment. But I didn't really have success until one day I experimented with baby products. And I started selling thousands, eventually hundreds of thousands and millions of baby products on Amazon while I was in college. And this business blew up. And I became very stressed out. I was working while being in a fraternity, while trying to get good grades in school because I was paying for college and I wanted that as a backup plan um, and friends and family and all that kind of stuff. So I started to hire college kids to help me. And that was an absolute disaster. They were really unreliable. They were drinking and smoking weed on the job and, and, not, and oversleeping for shifts. So a buddy of mine told me about the remote hiring world, the Upworks and the Fivers and I hired my first VA who was awesome and then I hired a bunch of other VAs who weren't as awesome and over time and through years and years of trial and error, I finally came up with this really great hiring process, a lot of which I teach today at Outsource School. And so at, once I came up with this good hiring process, Amazon was getting harder. I also didn't really like the Upworks and the fibers of the world. It just took too long to post a job, get 100 applicants, interview them one, one by one. And I kept looking for a faster marketplace. And when I couldn't find it, I said, you know what? I'll build this myself. So I launched FreeUp with an initial $5,000 investment and in a really crummy software. And we took it to market, originally going after Amazon sellers saying, hey, we have this hiring system. We'll hire VA. We have VAs in our Rolodex and freelancers we'll give to you that know Amazon. And FreeUp started to take off. And we scaled that to eight figures eventually not just going after Amazon sellers, but going after marketing, e-commerce, and lots of other niches as well. Um, but we scaled it to eight figures. We were acquired by one of our clients at the end of last year, which was kind of cool. And we can talk about more of uh, that if you want. That's a whole nother story. But once we were acquired, people started reaching out and asking us if we could teach them our systems, our processes, how we're able to have success with VAs because FreeUp was an eight-figure business with no office, no US employees, me, my business partner, and 35 remote VAs in the Philippines. So we, we started teaching people how we did it. We also added in a lot of other stuff like software and community that we can talk about more with Outsource School. But that's kind of the, the short story of how I went from books to baby products to free up to, to now Outsource School. That's incredible, man. So much energy. I can just feel it. Uh, that's a busy college experience too, huh? I mean, where, where did you go to school? Uh, Quinnipiac. It's in Connecticut. Okay. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I, um, I went to school, uh, in Boston, so I, I know the area a little bit, but man, so tell me about, well, I have a lot of questions actually. So let me, let me unleash on you a little bit. Hiring a VA, man. I've hired a lot of them. Um, I actually hired my most recent virtual assistant for this podcast through FreeUp great experience. Um, I had, you know, within a, a minutes of posting or within an hours of posting, I had a couple of great qualified people pre-vetted, didn't have to worry about it. They knew exactly what they're doing. What I love about Danny, my VA, um, if you're listening, Danny, or you probably are, uh, she just runs with it. 
right? Which is ultimately what we want. We want people who we enjoy working with and can run with things that you don't have to, you know, explain to them the whole process or create SOPs all the time, which I'm, we're going to get to the value of your current service. Um, it's, it's really, really powerful. I guess for one of the first questions I have, if someone is an entrepreneur, right, uh, maybe a solopreneur or whatever, at what point does someone look into getting a VA? Yeah. I mean, everyone's always focused on like, when's the exact right time that I should hire? And the truth is you're never going to get it right on like the exact day that you're supposed to hire someone. You're either sure. going to hire someone too early or too late. And from what I've learned as being an entrepreneur, that hiring too late just has a huge opportunity cost. And it really sets back every year of your business going forward. So for me, I always like to hire early. I mean, if you take outsource school, for example, I mean, first of all, just because we sold a business doesn't mean every new idea that we come out with is going to be a good one. So like any startup, we're out there, we, we were working to get this launch. We usually get it stuff out there with minimum viable products, but minimum viable products isn't a week, it's a few months to set stuff up and, and before we launch. But before we even had a revenue stream, we hired a bookkeeper for five hours a month out of the Philippines from FreeUp. And our goal from that was to get our books and everything set up, but also make sure that once we start getting revenue, that our books are in order and that I'm getting accurate numbers so that I can make decisions based off that numbers. Throw those numbers, throw in the fact that I'm not good at bookkeeping. If I do it, I'm myself, I'm going to have to redo it. I don't like doing bookkeeping. And any time that I'm spent doing bookkeeping is not time I'm growing my business. And I also don't want a situation where and I've seen this so many times with entrepreneurs, at the end of the year, they're like, oh, I need to do my bookkeeping for the past 12 months. So hiring that bookkeeper early, and then also hiring a virtual assistant to run my inbox. So I wake up at seven every day, I have a VA that works from five to seven, clearing out my inbox, leaving any important emails for me, like from my accountants, my lawyers, whatever it is. Um, but that gives me a head start to every morning, so I can do my most important thing right when I wake up. And that's been a key to success as well. So what's the worst case scenario? I launch outsource school, outsource school flops, and I paid these virtual assistants somewhere between a few hundred and a few thousand dollars. And so that's really the downside of hiring too early, but the upside is incredible. Now outsource school is growing. We had everything in order from day one. Now we have a team of virtual assistants and we didn't waste any time doing all the manual busy work ourselves. We didn't waste any time being like, oh my God, I, I, we really need a team of people right now. So you have to decide for yourself, do you value the time more or do you value the money more? And I encourage people to value the time more and hire on the early side. Yeah, great answer, man. So you mentioned someone who handles your inbox, right? I mentioned a VA for podcast services, which I think is an absolute no-brainer, hands down. You shouldn't have to learn how to do all the little things um, that go into releasing a podcast unless you're, you really want to, because there's a lot. it's a lot of busy work, right? Um, what else, man? What are some of the more common uses of virtual assistants? So we have a whole process shop of all of our SOPs at Outsource School. And I mean, it's stuff like lead generation, running a partnership program, an affiliate program that I encourage every business to do. Getting on podcasts. If you're not going on a podcast a week, you're really missing out. It could be, I say podcast, but it could be webinars. It could be Facebook Live. It could be guest speaking opportunities. And virtual assistants can do all that research for you and even pitch host for you to get you on these opportunities. They do it for me. They do it for a lot of our outdoor school members. That's kind of on, on the marketing side. On the operation side, I don't book any of my meetings. My VAs do that. And we set up what my, my ideal day looks like. And they make sure that I have my ideal, ideal day 99% of the time. 
They run my inbox, like I mentioned. Uh, they do bookkeeping. They do customer service and support um, off of that. I mean, really anything. Social media scheduling. You mentioned running your own podcast. We, RVA runs our newsletter. RVA meets with clients and onboards them when they become uh, an outsource school insider. They, they have that onboarding meeting. They walk them through our software. Um, they, they can do really any parts of your business. And it's all about creating good systems and good processes. And you want to own those processes. I think where a lot of people fall into the trap, and I see this all the time, they'll hire an agency to run the operations of their business. And that agency knows what they're doing. And that's great. But that agency owns all the systems. If that agency quits or jacks up their price, they have all the leverage. Same thing if you hire a VA to do a process that you don't really understand, you don't really own. If that VA leaves, you're in a really bad position, especially if you're deep into running your company. So I'm a big proponent of hiring VAs. Yes, like you said, you want your VAs to take ownership and and make your processes better. But at the end of the day, you need to own those processes. And especially if you want to sell a business, if we went to sell free up and all the processes were known by our VAs or in our head, no one was buying that business. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Interesting. Where, where are you guys sourcing a lot of your VAs now? What, what countries, regions are they coming from? So <laughs> taking a little step back. So I like to divide up the hiring into three levels. You got followers, okay. doers, and experts. So when you say VA and when I'm talking about VAs, I'm just talking about the followers. And the reason I'm saying that is because like I have doers, like graphic designers from India. I have a US uh, developer now. But for the follower roles, what I consider virtual assistants, I primarily hire from the Philippines for a lot of reasons. They speak English at a high level. Price is obviously a factor. I found that they can be incredibly hardworking. They're all about family, which I want in my team. But my advice to people is, listen, you can, you can go hire from India. You can go hire from South Africa. You can hire from the Philippines. There's plenty of good people in different countries. But especially if you're new to hiring VAs, hire everyone from one place. There's going to be a learning curve, a culture learning curve. I went through it. I'm sure you went through it. it it's going to make it a lot harder for you if you're hiring two people from one country, one country, one person from another, two people from over here. And I personally think the Philippines is a great place to start. I agree. I agree. I, I, love, uh, I love everybody I've worked with from the Philippines. We're very family oriented, very loyal, very kind, uh, just yeah, just really good, loving people. And, uh, they, you know, generally once, once they know what they're doing, they, they do great work too. And that's a mass journalization. So when you at outsource school, do you, are you dealing with all those levels, the follower, the expert, the doer, we're mostly focused on the follower. Now we do have okay. um, systems for some of the doers. Like we have a, a video editing playbook and a graphic design playbook that shows people our exact process for working with video editors and working with graphic designers because a lot of people struggle working with the creatives and getting what's in their head out there. And I'm sure over time we'll increase it and add different stuff. But outsource school is really three parts. It's what we call cracking the VA code, which is our exact hiring process, interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing everything from the exact interview questions to ask to how we create really great SOPs to our meeting templates and performance review templates. Then we have, once you've learned the fundamentals, we have our process shop, which we call formulas and playbooks, but it's all of our SOPs around operations and marketing. And we come out with new ones every month. And then we have a software for creating SOPs because we can teach you how to make SOPs. We can give you all of our SOPs, but there's going to be SOPs that are specific to your business that we can't teach you. So we designed a really cool tool 
to make and update and share video and text SOPs with virtual assistants. And you can get any of these separately, but if you become an Outsource School Insider, which is our membership, you get access to everything, plus first access to every new SOP we come out with, plus our support and our community, which is hundreds of entrepreneurs learning from us as well. Right on, right on. Yeah, so walk me through it, man. So who, who generally, who is outside Outsource School for? And how is the service delivered? What's, what's the value? What, what, what would I expect if I signed up? Yeah, so we have a few different customer avatars. I think the first one is someone who's probably heard VAs, especially now during COVID. They've heard about them, but they've never actually hired a VA before. And they want to skip that trial and error um, that I think we've all gone through when we've hired VAs for the first time. Second is someone who's hired VAs, but they've struggled with it. They just can't figure that out. And we have a system that they can quickly implement in their business. And then lastly, people who maybe have hired a few good VAs, but have also had bad experiences. And those good VAs were really a factor of luck. They don't really have the hiring system in their business or the great SOPs to consistently do it over time. And I say that, but we have plenty of people who have tons of VAs that have had success with VAs who just love our processes to plug, to give to their VAs and plug into their business. But I would say usually our customer avatars fall into those three. And with Outsource School, I mean, you get access to everything right away. Everyone's in a different part in their, a point in their business. So what we recommend doing is going through our fundamentals and taking our systems and plugging them into your business because that's going to allow you to hire consistent A players going forward. And you'll be able to apply that to every single business you start for the rest of your life. And once you get the fundamentals down and you implemented the, that hiring process, then the fun begins because then you can pick and choose from our process shop. Do you want to get on more podcasts? Do you want to have a VA do your bookings or your inbox for you? And you can pick which ones you want or you can grab our Simply SOP software, which will even help you take all your old SOPs and get them on the software free of charge and walk you through it or walk your team through it um, and start building out your own SOPs and make your processes even better. And, and we're also there to support and help you along the way. If, if you want to hire someone for something specific that we don't have a playbook for yet, that doesn't mean we don't know how to do it. We most likely do or know someone that does. So we're there to help you no matter what system you're building. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, when I reflect on my own kind of business journey is that one of the core reasons that I actually most, I, you know, I own gym. So most gym owners, unfortunately, you know, if they're, you know, a, a individually owned gym, not a franchise or anything like that, they, they maybe put in a lot of work. They, they build a decent lifestyle business for themselves, but at the end of the day, it's not a sellable asset because it's owner operated. And one of the reasons I was able to sell mine and, you know, profit from it was because I had SOPs, you know, and it's not sexy, Nathan. It's not, it's like that work that you just know you got to do, but once you get the systems in place, it, it, things run smoothly and you can start to hire out. It sounds like you've, you've done so much of that work. And I, I don't think people truly understand the value of SOPs because people won't sit in meetings and be like, you know, what's the sexiest thing we can do to this week for our business? Oh, let's write some more SOPs. People just don't do that. Right. Um, but it sounds right. like you've done a lot of the work for them. Yeah. I mean, we, our goal is to just make it as easy as possible. And the cool yeah. thing is, is you can get your virtual assistants creating SOPs for you, or at the very least you can create a rough draft of an SOP and have your VA take it from there and make it better and keep it updated. And if you think to like free up, we had 35, uh, 35 VAs and we didn't have 35 VAs reporting to Nathan. That would be crazy. We had team leaders, 
and the team leaders were responsible for keeping the SOPs updated. So when we went to sell free up and the new owners who were doing due diligence said, hey, how does customer service work? How does billing work? Connor and I weren't scrambling to update our SOPs and we also hadn't updated the SOP for every single team manually by ourselves. Our team leaders had kept the SOPs up to date every month for the past four years and we could just hand it over. Here's who does what, when in every possible situation and that's what makes your business sellable. Wow. So at FreeUp, you had 35 VAs. Is that right? Full time. Yeah. Full time. And you're able to scale to eight figures. That's incredible. I mean, I, I would have thought, I guess my, I'm not even doing the math in my head, but I would just want to imagine you had like a thousand VAs that you're working with. And now I thought about that. I'm like, God, how hard would it be to have quality control over that many? But you did it with 35. How'd you do that? Yeah. So just so we're on the same page, there's a difference between my internal team at FreeUp and freelancers and, and VAs on the marketplace. Uh, okay. Okay. Got it. Service. So got there it, are got thousands it. of freelancers on the platform offering their service. My internal team was 35 people. Got it. Okay. That makes a ton more sense, man. Thank you for that. Um, what are some of the, with the outsource school, what are some of the most popular SOPs that you see? I think the podcast outreach formula has become one of our most popular. I, I think it applies to, to every single business out there. I mean, I go on podcast one every single day. I used to do more, but now I've kind of limited it. You're my one podcast today. But I mean, it's so good for networking. It's great for mm -hmm. getting in front of thousands of people at once. It's great for backlinks and SEO for your business. It's great for brand awareness. I can't tell you how many people have come to either free up or outsource school because they heard me on a podcast or multiple podcasts. And it has a snowballing effect that leads to better podcasts, other guest speaking opportunities, Facebook lives to groups, whatever it is. And I, I'm a big proponent that you've got to be going on at least one podcast a day. It just gives you a, a huge competitive advantage in your space. And you don't need to hire a full-time VA for it either. Like I have, I, we have lots of people who are using our podcast outreach formula that are hiring a VA for an hour a day. And I really only hire a VA for a few hours a week to do this particular task. And I go on a podcast every single day and I'm booked out like through October. So you, it doesn't require a ton of work to do really good podcast research. You just need a really good system for it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. So we're in a strange time, Nathan, um, you know, with the, like we were talking about in the beginning, or I was talking about at least the kind of decentralization of businesses and people dispersing into, you know, work from home situations. How, how is your business being affected right now? <laughs> it's a really funny time to start a new business. I kind of, sure. so first of all, I think free up is in great shape. Like if any business can survive COVID a marketplace for freelancers is going to be absolutely fine. Um, and, and going forward, I think they'll be good, but I kind of got to skip like the, the March, April where every, all the entrepreneurs were like freaking out on, on one level. Cause there's just like a lot of uncertainty. So I got to skip that part of it, which is a little nice. Um, and then outsource school, we actually launched, the first week or the week in March that COVID kind of blew up in the U.S. and Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks got it and all of that. Um, so we didn't know if, and we didn't, at the time, again, didn't know if Azure School was going to be a good idea or a bad idea. But people, a lot of people bought it and joined it. And we've been growing ever since. We have 300 plus members. But it's tough. We don't have anything to compare it to, right? Like we don't know if we'd be doing better or worse because of the pandemic. I do think it becomes more relevant, although I don't really use COVID. I don't use COVID to, to market outsource school at all. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's going well. We're growing. We have a lot of awesome projects, but I don't really have anything, any past years to compare it to. Yeah, well, no one does. 
right? I mean, like this is whole new uncharted territory. I mean, I see what you mean as far as like, you know, numbers from 2019 compared to now, but it's, it, the, everything's different. Everything feels different. Um, how do you see this? What's your vision for, for companies? Let me give you an out. Let me give you an example. Let's say it's a company, um, five to 10 full-time employees now no longer meeting in an office. Um, how do you see the remote work situation changing the business landscape and the hiring of freelancers? I mean, you must, you must think about this stuff, right? What, what do you think it's going to, what do you think are going to be some of the bigger changes? Yeah. I mean, I think hiring for hiring in the U S for small businesses is dying on a lot of different levels. I mean, mm. first of all, you have all the big companies out there, the apples and the Amazons of the world that are going to pay top dollar and small businesses aren't going to be able to pay top dollar, but now all those businesses can hire remote. They're not just hiring people in California or Seattle or wherever they are. They can now hire people all over the world. So all the best talents going to migrate there, not to mention more and more people from the working side, especially people that fall into that following category. People who thought their nine to five job was secure before COVID are now realizing that their nine to five job isn't as secure as they thought it was um, on some level. And a lot of them are moving to the gig economy. The gig economy is blowing up in the US. Over the next 10 years, over 50% of the workforce is going to move to the gig economy, which means these are going to be freelancers running their own businesses. They're probably not going to be doing the operations. They're not going to be working full time for any particular person. So it's going to become harder and harder to hire full-time employees in the US for if you're a small business. And that's where virtual assistants just become huge because you can hire people full-time, part-time, project-based, you can still hire people from the US. And I encourage people to hire people from the US, for, especially for the doers and expert roles, although you can hire non-US as well. But having a reliable virtual team behind the scenes, even working with your US team, doing a lot of those tasks so that $50,000 $50, a year person you're hiring in the US, which by the way, really costs you more than like $70,000 a year once you factor in benefits and stuff like that, you want to make sure you're, pay, you're maximizing their time and they're spending 40 hours a week on $50,000 a year tasks. So getting into more and more VAs, the companies that are taking advantage of that are going to have a huge hiring advantage on their competition going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting too, just seeing on a, on a local level here, I'm in, I'm in the Flathead Valley in Montana, which is um, for any people listening, it's dark, it's great. Don't come here. People are jerks. But that's not true. It's beautiful. It's a great place to live. And we're seeing so many people now flock here. The real estate market is just booming, man. It's crazy. It's booming. And, you know, the, the infrastructure is probably going to struggle to keep up with it. You know, I think one of the things that gives this place a, a strong advantage to other more rural areas is that it has a really strong broadband network and, you know, we can handle internet issues here. And that, that's a huge advantage. Um, but just seeing this disbursement, that's happening so suddenly and people are feeling unsafe, right? That corporate job that, you know, they had to commute to and they, they took it because, um, you know, it, like, like you said, it just felt safe. So I'll commute an hour each way, right? I'll stick in traffic. But now people are like, you know what? And again, their taste from working from home. They're like, oh, this is really nice. Well, if I can do it here, I can do it anywhere. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, I've, been a little bit ahead of the curve on it just because, you know, that's where we live now. We figured it out about three years ago that you can, and Tim Ferriss figured it out even longer ago. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting time. And how are you personally, like, how, how are you dealing with, with COVID and, and, you know, the isolation of it, or are you 
you know, are you planning on, on moving now, checking out different locations? How are you dealing with it, man? Yeah. I mean, it's funny from the remote, like working side, like that part hasn't changed. I've been working remote for 10 plus years. Right. At the same time, I didn't expect to sell my company and be locked at home for six months. That was not the plan. <laughs> I had a, a lot of, a lot of travel plans that were, were canceled sure this did. year. Um, and my fiance is working from home now, which I really enjoy. It's, it's actually been more enjoyable um, than, than just being home by myself. And we are trying to move. I mean, I'm in Florida, not the place to be um, during COVID. We're looking to buy a second house in Denver, which we were just there last week looking for houses. Um, we actually made an offer that, that didn't get accepted. And I mean, it's totally different. There's just so much more to do outside the mountains. There's no, not, uh, not like a lot of people in one place once you get into the wilderness. So we are trying to, to make a move out there as soon as the, uh, the housing gods let us. <laughs> what made you choose Denver? Uh, my business partner lives in Denver. And so mm. I go there once a quarter and I love it there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Colorado is a spectacular place uh, for sure. So, you know, one of the, the key things I like to talk about on this show and, you know, give a context of why I love these questions is because, uh, you know, entrepreneurs for the most part um, are relatable to each other, but sometimes unrelatable to other people. Um, you know, for instance, like I'll tell my wife what I did during any given day and she'll just be like, well, that doesn't excite me, nor am I interested, nor do I really under, care to understand what you do all day um, <laughs> in a loving way, of course. Um, but, you know, there, there are certain challenges and stresses that, you know, entrepreneurs face that a lot of people don't experience and will never experience. And I'm curious, along your entrepreneurial journey, I'm sure you've taken risk. I'm sure things have happened. What's been one of the most, pers- what's one of the biggest personal challenges you've had to overcome uh, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, there's been so many failures. I actually had a Facebook post this morning, just it pretty much just rattled off my failures. Everything from the cease and desist letter to having to fire friends to having my Amazon account suspended. I lost a Facebook page of the 20,000 followers. Like I, so many things. I, I think me personally, I, so you got to remember, I never had a real job after college. I never had a corporate job. So a lot of what I based my business off of was the internships I had when I was in my teens. And one of those internships, the internship I had for the longest at Firestone, I had this manager who was stressed everyone out. He was a prototypical micromanaging manager. The second you made a mistake, he'd call you into his office. He'd lash you out. Everyone hated working for him. He stressed people out. But in my mind, like that's the only way I knew how to be a manager. So when I went to hire people, that was how I managed because that's how I thought because the business did well. It was a, a big company and their store did well because of the location and other factors as well. But that's how I tried to be a manager for years. And our turnover was through the roof. People hated working for me. And it took my business partner coming to me and saying, hey man, like we can't keep doing this. Like we have to find a way to retain people. You need to go read books on management, watch videos on management. Like we need to completely do a 180 here if we're going to work together and, and continue to grow businesses and not go in circles. And I think one of the most impactful moments is when we had someone quit on us. It was like the third consecutive person that quit on us for the same role. And we did an exit interview. And I don't know if you've ever done an exit interview before, but they're really, really uncomfortable. And so we, I went to him and I asked him for his feedback and he hit me to the core. He said everything that was wrong with my leadership, my management, how I communicated with people, um, everything from our culture to the people that I was hiring, my hiring process. Like he just hit me in the gut and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. I should have written that guy a check right there because that really changed everything that we've done 
in our business going forward, completely revamping everything inside and out. And every once in a while you get stressed or you have a bad day and you kind of start to revert to old tendencies. And I luckily I have a business partner who will be there and remind me, but I think not having that corporate experience or not having a lot of different managers, people that would do it in a way that, that now I know is what I would consider the, the, the right way hurt me there for a while. Oh man, that must've been hard, right? I mean, just taking that punch and hearing all that criticism all at once. Uh, are you guys still friends? Um, so my business partner and I, we worked together. I mean, he, he was part of the free up sale. His name's okay. Connor. We, he, he's a guy in Denver. So yeah. Um, the, the guy that walked away, um, I haven't talked to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think the people you value the most in your life are the ones who will give you to you straight. I mean, hands down. Right. Um, right. and that's, uh, and being a leader is not easy. You know, oftentimes as a, a business owner, you know, especially in when I'm, in the gym days when I had a, you know, a decent amount of employees and coaches is if you get kind of lonely at the top, no one's really hitting you straight and uh, you don't hear anything until it's secondhand later down the road. And to have someone tell you that is really valuable. And, and you're right. It's funny. You said you should just write them a check at that point. Uh, it's, it's, that's great. So now looking forward, you know, as you're growing this company and you know, you uh, zero doubt you'll be successful with it. But what's, what's one of the most, what's the current challenge that you're looking to overcome? So I always feel like you kind of take what you learn from one business and apply it to the next. So oh, yeah. with the Amazon business, we, we spent years not being able to hire. And then we came up with a really good hiring process and we moved that over to FreeUp. So when we started FreeUp, we hit the ground running and we hired really good people. The same people that were with FreeUp and are still with FreeUp now are the same people we hired in the first month of FreeUp. So we had a great hiring process, but we had no idea how to market because with Amazon, you pay them their 15%. They get you all the customers. Amazon pay-per-click wasn't really a thing back in 2008, 2009. So we had to learn marketing from the ground up. SEO and podcasts and partnerships and joint ventures. But because of the business model of free up, running paid ads is incredibly tough. It's not impossible, just tough. And I'm sure the new owners will do a better job just because it's free to sign up. People can start, they can stop. It's really difficult to measure churn. People could hear about us, sign up, and then not hire someone for four months and then stop for three months and come back for a project. So very hard to get the ROI of ads. So we grew free up for four years to eight figures without spending any money on ads. We did it all organically. So we created this really great organic marketing blueprint that works. It works with VAs. And when we started outsource school, we implemented our hiring process. We have a really great hiring process now, a great team. We implemented our organic marketing blueprint. That's what we've been doing for the past three months. And we're doing the same thing that we did at FreeUp to get attention. And we have 300 plus members before we spend any money on ads. But now we want to learn that paid ad side. And so that's, we're actually launching our ads on Monday. And that's kind of a new thing that we didn't have to do on our Amazon business. We didn't have to do at FreeUp. And it's kind of, the, if we want to take it to the next level, that's something we have to do at a high level. Right on, right on. And how did you find, are you bringing the digital marketing in? in-house or are you outsourcing that as well? Yeah. So we spent a lot of time learning it ourselves. So some of the stuff we'll be doing, um, creating systems for, and then hiring VAs for, um, a buddy of mine who's in one of my masterminds. He's kind of helping us get the Facebook ads off the ground, kind of a hybrid of doing it for us. Plus teaching us at the same time with the, I don't know exactly how that's going to end up if he continues to do it or he passed it off to a VA or some kind of combination, but that's kind of, it tends to be our thing to learn how to do it and then pass it over to a VA. Right on, man. Um, Nathan, this is, 
it's fascinating. It's so timely. I think you guys are in a great position. And, you know, once again, you know, free up finding me the great VA. It's been super valuable for me. So I can't recommend that enough. I'm really excited to dig into what you got going at Outsource School. Uh, it sounds really exciting and really valuable, especially because, you know, the point that Ken and I are at right now is we we are growing and we are needing help. We need to fill in the gaps as we grow. Um, and this sounds like it's something that can really help us. So where, where do you, give us a good man, where, where do people find you? Is there any special deals you like to offer our audience? What, what do you got? Yeah, so go to OutsourceSchool.com. If you go to OutsourceSchool.com slash insider, you can actually grab a free trial uh, of Outsource School Insider. And I'll create a code. If you use coupon code ERIC, it'll give you 10% off becoming an Outsource School Insider. That's $9.97 a year, so you'd get it for $8.97 a year. And that gets you access to cracking the VA code. All of our processes are simply SOP software plus our support plus our community. Um, and yeah, you can also schedule a call with us right on the site and feel free to connect with me on social media. I love networking with other entrepreneurs, Nathan Hirsch on Facebook or LinkedIn. Right on. And we'll have all of that in the show notes as well. Nathan, brother, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, stay safe out there in Florida and hopefully uh, we'll get you on the, the Western side of the country pretty soon. You too, man. Hopefully we can meet in person whenever we're allowed to do that again. <laughs> exactly. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, Nathan Hirsch. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be, I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me, let me know what you're thinking, uh, make an introduction, whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just wanna chat, you wanna find out more, if you wanna expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.